dog is everyone's dog. He's a good boy. He's just a wild animal. He can't help it. You're talking about your son or you're talking about the dog? Sure. (laughs) You are listening to From the Dome to Your Home podcast, the Municipal Association's weekly look at legislative action and issues facing cities and towns around the state. I'm your host, Casey Fields. Scott, is it hot enough for you? Welcome to summer. Well, it's February the 23rd. You know, Casey, I don't dress according to the calendar. I dress according to the weather. Uh, Well, if you're my children, you don't dress. You just wear shorts and a t-shirt year-round. I wish I could do that. Shorts and a t-shirt. Man, 30, I wish I could get 30 away. degrees, shorts and a t-shirt. Actually, we have a rule in my house. If it's 32 degrees or below, you're wearing pants. Just pants. Yeah, you can wear a t-shirt with like a hoodie or something, but you sure. have to have something covering your legs, your legs if it's 32 degrees or below. We had to make that across the board for all the boys in the friend group because it was like t-shirt, shorts, or die. It's so miserably hot outside. I mean, it's really not that bad. Ugh. It's also 110 this, degrees below zero. As in they the always office. used to say, if it's this hot in February, what's it going to be like in August? Right. But we still haven't, I mean, we're still in winter. This is just fake spring. Chronologically, yeah. Meteorologically, we are, but. We are. Is this the La Nina? I don't know. The effects of El La Nino La, or La Nina? I think it's La Nina. I don't know what that means. I don't know. I haven't looked at my meteorological update today. I've been turning a lot of people, all of my all of my golfing buddies, I've been turning them away from their terrible other weather apps, and I'm turning them on the National Weather Service app. I didn't realize the National Weather Service had an app. Yeah, it's superior to any this other you stuff you know why that I didn't know that is because I work with you, so all I do is say, Scott, I need an update on the weather. Right. It's just like when a fire truck The passes. forecast discussion is my favorite part of the uh, National Weather Service app. Scott, our trivia question this week is going to be quite easy for you. Okay. Um. So I, I, you know, last I, year, I like to, last week's was a little tough. It was. And I love to stump you because I feel like, we you know, everything there is to know about municipal didn't government. Stump me entirely, but it, it like made me think. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I will ask this question of our listener and you, and then we will give the answer at the end. Okay. Based on incorporation date, what is the newest municipality in South Carolina. Hmm. I mean, don't act like you don't know it. You know it. I know you do. We both know it. It's true. It's our job to know it. Yes. But anyway, yes. everybody, while we talk about this week at the State House, why don't you think about the answer to the question based on incorporation date? What is the newest municipality in South Carolina? I'll ask you for the name of the town correctly pronounced and the county in which it is located. Excellent. Um, Scott, let's move on to what happened this week. A lot of movement on bills that are on the advocacy initiatives. Yes. The bills that are listed in our bills, topics, issues that are listed in the advocacy initiatives. Even with the floor time taken up in the House on the uh, permitless that's right. Constitutional carry bill. That's exactly right. Can you just in like two sentences, will you explain that to me? Because I thought last week we, I mean, last week, last year, they passed open carry. Yes. Which means what? You may carry your pistol on your hip. You don't have to conceal it if you have a concealed weapons permit. 
Okay. That's current law. All right. What is the difference between what is current law and what the House just passed yesterday? What the House passed yesterday would allow you to carry a pistol without any permit requirement or any training. All right. So me, who does not have a concealed weapons permit. Yes. Could walk around with a gun on my hip yes. and a holster. Yes. Not knowing how to use it, yes. how to load it, yes. how to do anything. I could do that. That is correct. And nobody would stop me. If that, if the bill yesterday the House passed is signed into law, yes. Okay. It's got a long way to go. Right, right. But that's what they debated for several days. Yes. Okay. Um, let's talk about something. Let's Let's start off with one of our advocacy initiatives. House Bill 3014, that is the Clemena Pinckney Hate Crimes Act. That is a bill that, in a different form, passed the House last year, but got 21, held, 21 yep. mm-hmm. but got held up in the Senate yes. during the second year of the, the legislative session. That's right. Um, you were there this morning in the House Judiciary Constitutional Laws Subcommittee. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about what went on and who you brought with you and kind of how all that came about. So Beaufort Mayor Stephen Murray came mm-hmm. up and on who is also the vice president of the Association of South Carolina Mayors of the club. He came up and testified on behalf and in support of the bill on behalf of not only the city of Beaufort, but on behalf of the town of Bluffton, the uh, town of Hilton Head Island, city of Hardyville, town of Port Royal. All of those towns, all of those cities in low country mm-hmm. have passed resolutions in support of hate crimes legislation. Okay. And prior to him coming and testifying uh, this morning, he got permission from all of those mayors and councils to, to on their behalf say, yes, they support it as well. And here, you know, here are the resolutions. That's great. So he, uh, he did a great job, uh, made some really good points. Mm-hmm. Um, and really appreciated him. I think it loaned some uh, support for the bill uh, to the subcommittee members in particular and the sponsors of the bill. There's 60 some odd sponsors of that bill right. on the, uh, that, are, that are sponsoring it. But to hear that, yes, all 271 cities and towns across the state mm-hmm. supported as well mm-hmm. by way of my testimony right. on behalf of the Municipal Association, I think will hopefully lend some heft to it moving forward. Now, you know, it's going to go to the full judiciary committee, hopefully next week. Yep. They'll take it up and then it'll get out on the floor. I expect that the house should be able to pass it, but Mm -hmm. it is not a given. Right. So, uh, house, I mean, mayors and council members need to be reaching out to their house members and saying, you need to pass this bill. Uh, you know, we support it. It's important to our state for a number of different reasons that uh, Mayor Murray laid out in his talk and then mm-hmm. also in a supplement to this very podcast, he will talk about it as well. Yeah. So that's what I'd like to do now. I'd like to cut to your interview um, with Mayor Murray and listen to him and his own words talk about why he testified and what he said during that. And then let's, let's talk about it on the other side. Sounds great. Welcome. Beaufort Mayor Stephen Murray to the podcast. We're so excited to have you in studio. Mr. Producer says this is, you're our first, I think, elected official, certainly our first mayor in studio here. So wow. welcome. I am uh, 
I'm honored to be the first mayor on the podcast and uh, always... Well, you're not the first mayor to be on the podcast. Oh, in, the, the, studio. First, in the studio. In the studio. Yes. Oh, physically here. Yeah, okay. Habib will uh, will yell at you if you oh, try to claim... Oh, yeah, I don't want to... I want to claim that you were first. I got you. Okay. <laughs> now, well, excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Uh, love the Municipal Association and love me some Scott Slatton, too. Great, and Casey Fields. Great person in Casey Fields and uh, the whole MSAC team uh, and helping keep guys like me uh, following the rules and leading our cities. Well, I, I appreciate that. We all appreciate it. We enjoy doing the work. But you, you helped us today. Um, today's Thursday. Tell us why you were here and how we asked you to give us a hand on a very important piece of the legislation. Yeah, well, you know, democracy is a team sport. That's right. Um, we got an email, I guess, from you a couple of days ago about the uh, hate crimes bill being placed on the ju- Const- Judiciary Constitutional Law Subcommittee. Yep. I, I like keep saying it because it's, you know, again, it rolls right off. It's the a mouthful. Yeah. Um, so coming back up, uh, City of Beaufort passed a resolution unanimously a couple of years ago in support of uh, hate crimes bill, um, as well as the rest of municipalities in Beaufort County. So mm-hmm. Hilton Head, Town of Bluffton, Town of Port Royal. Uh, we've all passed resolutions. We're all supportive of hate crimes legislation. Um, really think that, you know, the, the bill as it stands is very pragmatic, um, both in terms of its reasonableness of enhancing penalties, um, but also the symbolism, I think. And now we're only one of two states in the country that do not have a yeah. crimes bill. Yep. That's not a list we want to be at the top of, in, no, my, that's in my right. opinion. No, I agree. And, you know, y'all passed that resolution several years ago in support of the original bill that the House of Representatives got passed. I think that was in 2021. Uh, it stalled in the Senate. And, uh, of course, the House is taking another crack at it. And um, I, I, I feel confident that it'll, it should get passed out of the House again. Uh, the Municipal Association, of course, supports it. Our board of directors included hate crimes legislation as one of uh, the association's advocacy initiatives. So um, judiciary, full judiciary committee should meet next week, and they'll take that bill up. Talk about, uh, Mayor, if you will, some of the some of the reasons that council, your council in particular, thought it important that the state pass a hate crimes bill well i think you know for for me and i i won't speak for my whole council but but for me you know what happened in 2015 at emmanuel ame church in charleston uh with the murdering of clementa pinckney and eight of his parishioners simply because they happened to be black mm-hmm. um just shouldn't happen in south carolina anywhere um it shouldn't have anywhere, yep. in, in, certainly not in our home, right? right. In, in our state, where I feel like we've worked really hard um, to promote diversity, to accept our diversity, um, and I'm really proud of how our communities sort of function and, and celebrate that we are that we are different. Um, you know, it hasn't always been that way. We haven't. It's not perfect. Um, and unfortunately, you know, if you look at Department of Justice stats or Southern Poverty Law Center stats, um, hate crimes seem to be on the rise. Um, and so I think sending a clear message that South Carolina does not tolerate hate or, or bigotry um, and that there are penalties if you uh, commit one of these terrible acts, um, I think that's a message worth worth sending, uh, both to South Carolina, South Carolinians and visitors to our state. Visitors and business prospects. 
Well, that's, you know, we, we pride ourselves on being uh, one of the number one states for direct foreign investment. And, you know, we're attracting some um, very remarkable companies from, from around the world, you know, whether it's Boeing up in Charleston or in the case of Beaufort, we've got a Japanese flying car company, SkyDrive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's an expectation about um, how our communities protect one another um, when those companies are, are looking to, to choose South Carolina. Um, and again, saying that we're one of only two states in the in the nation, us in Wyoming, that don't have a piece of legislation like this uh, is is concerning to some of the business folks we're talking to. But, well, how would you answer somebody who says, well, given the success that we've had with regard to economic development without a hate crimes bill, why do, why do we need it? Why why is that important? I mean, you, you said there that some companies have an expectation that we protect our communities, but... What? How? How would you answer that question? Maybe I'm putting you on the spot, but don't mean to. But yeah, well, I mean, know, that's, that's a good point. That's an I mean, argument. I, that's an argument that that will likely be heard in the house. Right. Right. And I think you know, not only from a business prospect, but from from visitors. I mean, we're a you know, hospitality is a tremendous industry and economic mm-hmm. driver in our in our state. Um, and again, I think it, it it's as much about symbolism as actual penalties. Um, and saying again that South Carolina does not tolerate you know bigotry and, yeah. and hate in our in our state. Um, and that we line up with the other 48 states in the in the union, right? Um, and I think as we grow, there there is this expectation that that we are a safe place, um, you know. And in terms of lessons, uh, when we, I mean, I heard today that there's a part of the state now that uh, a fair amount of anti-Semitic activity happening yep. on, on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. Um, so how do we? How do we stamp that out? And I think, again, this, this hate crimes act that's been proposed is a very pragmatic way to do that. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, even aside from some of these industrial uh, recruits that have come to the state, smaller events and uh, tourism related kinds of activities have, have passed us by as a state and, and our local communities because of the lack of a hate crimes bill on the books like like right. other states have had. So well and I think it's worth digging into the the act. It's a it's a one page it's a yeah. one page bill. Yeah. It's pretty easy to pretty easy to read. Um and I think some other states have made it very complicated. Um I'm I'm told that it's 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 so complicated that it's actually hard to, you know, penalize people to for, use for hate crimes or to actually use the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the resources that are made available in other states also complicates and is sort of expensive. Um, so I do like the simplicity of what's being proposed in South Carolina in that you have to be convicted of a crime first. Right. Um, and then once you're convicted, the prosecution and defense can come in and, and try to enhance those penalties, uh, which, you know, ten, up to $10,000 fine uh, and up to five years in uh, additional sentencing in, in jail. Yep. Um, again, I think very pragmatic. Um, it's only going to be applied to already convicted folks. Right. Um, it's not just, you know, innocent people off the street being convicted or accused of, of hate crimes. Um, so, again, to me, it, it's pragmatic. It's reasonable. Um, it sets penalties for people who are committing crimes based on a bias that they hold. Um, and I think it sends a strong message to the state the nation and the world that again, this is not where we're going to, yeah, we're not going to accept these things in South Carolina. Yeah. It's not attacking first amendment rights. Right. I mean, you know, it, it, it is a, it's an, a, a, a penalty enhancement right. uh, of, of another crime. And I, you know, and I, you know, right in my comments, I was thinking, you know, you know, put yourself in the shoes of, of Senator Pinckney, right. He's in his, his house of worship. Um, he's 45 minutes into a Bible study that he's done, you know, how many years was he a, a pastor? His wife and six-year-old daughter are down the hall in, in his office. Um, 
And again, a young man comes in and fires off 70 rounds. Yeah. Over 70 rounds in a, in a church. And that's a whole nother problem. Uh, killing, you know, nine people simply because he's black. Yeah. It, and so we can talk about, you know, the business aspect and why it might discourage investment. I mean, some might argue we might want to slow investment in, in certain parts of the state. Yep. We're growing so fast. I, I, I personally think you only need the moral reason. And, and the moral reason is that in America, and especially in South Carolina, I believe you have the right to be left alone, right, if that's your desire, in, in your pursuit of life, liberty, and, and happiness. And unfortunately, there are some folks that are infringing on people's rights because of their differences. And so I argue the Hate Crimes Act is as much about protecting people. It doesn't create a separate class. It doesn't give people special privileges. It protects all South Carolinians. And and we have a moral obligation as policymakers to protect all South Carolinians, whether or not we agree with, with who they are or what they mm-hmm. are or anything, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's liberty, and that's accepting each other as individuals. And I think that sentiment struck well, rang well with the subcommittee today and the other members of the House Judiciary Committee that were in attendance. Well, I hope so. And I, and I hope listeners, you know, now is the moment. Now is the moment for us to be reaching out to our House members, reaching out to our Senate members and communicating why, why this is important. Because unfortunately, I think they only have, you know, a small group of people maybe in their ear telling them one thing. Um, but, it, you know, I'll just say it. It's a damn shame that South Carolina is one of only two states with Wyoming that doesn't have something like this in place. And it needs to it needs to change in 2023. Well said. Well said. Mayor, thank you for being here and talking about this particular bill. We're going to talk to you about some other things in the future, I know. So uh, I appreciate you coming up and, and testifying in, in front of the subcommittee today. Great message. They heard it and uh, would encourage other elected officials to heed your words and speak out with their, speak to their legislators about uh, their support for uh, for House Bill 3014. Well, thanks for having me on, and uh, I'm sincere in my appreciation of Municipal Association. I've been elected office eight years now. Um, you know, I would not be nearly as successful. Our city would not be nearly as successful if it wasn't for the resources and the expertise and the council um, that the whole team here at, at MSAC uh, uh, provides all of us. And so, you know, fortunate that we live in this great country and this great state and this great democracy. Uh, but how we play the game and how we follow the rules and how we get along and have civil debate is really important. Um, and I'm, again, appreciative of, of those lessons that you continue to impart to to us in the 274 municipalities across South Carolina. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. You know, having the local voices come to Columbia to share their support for legislation is key. Absolutely. And we talk about it it's all the just time. Key. We do. We really do. You know, I, I testified right behind Mayor Murray. Yeah. Mayor Murray let it off. He did. He was the very first speaker in the subcommittee this morning, but if it had just been me up there as the lobbyist for the right. municipal association, it would not have carried nearly the weight that it did with having Mayor Murray give his talk in front. I mean, of it. Scott, you're you're an influential person up no. there, but uh, I got to say, I think Mayor Murray really really took it home. He did a great job. It was a unanimous vote of all the yes. subcommittee members, and 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 in addition to just the five sub- subcommittee members, there were probably a dozen. 
house members in mm-hmm. there listening to yes. the testimony discussion, and, the yeah. testimony. And of course, there was no discussion amongst mm-hmm. the subcommittee members because mm-hmm. they all yeah, they all voted in wisely and smartly support it. That's so exactly right. I'm looking forward to that thing moving forward. So that that was one of the um that was one of the advocacy initiatives that moved. Another one And I mentioned quit. that I mentioned that to the subcommittee this morning that yes. that is one of our top priorities as a, as an advocacy initiative. And so. the, the fact that our our board of directors was disappointed that it didn't get passed 2 years ago and they yeah. decided to keep it on there. Yeah, that kind of came to me as I was talking. Right. So I was, I'm glad that <laughs> I kind of tell. I'm, I was watching it, and you were like, "Let me just, yeah, I'm yeah, gonna roll this out." I gotta add something to what I just I'm gonna, said. I'm gonna give this a little bit of what the mm, mayor mm. said. Yeah. Um, okay, so a, another priority of ours is the stiffer, higher penalties for trafficking fentanyl. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Senate approved, gave third and final reading to two bills: Senate 153, which is the trafficking yep. bill. And Senate Bill One, which is the homicide by fentanyl bill, yeah. both of those bill re- bills received third reading today, Thursday. Mm-hmm. So they will move over to the um, House. Where will those go? For debate, judiciary. judiciary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Judiciary. Judiciary's um, plate is filling up. They are. It is filling up pretty quickly. So we're very pleased with how quickly and thoughtfully the, the Senate worked on fentanyl and how they got that moving. They also have the House bill. So mm-hmm. the House passed their fentanyl, their right. version, and now the Senate has a version. I would guess that those bills will end up, or a bill dealing with fentanyl, they could, could all be wrapped up into one once we're all said and done, but that, that something will end up, we'll, we'll get something this session on fentanyl trafficking. Yeah, I hope so. I, I guess now the question is who's going to take up the other's bill right. first? Will right. they, will they expect the other to take theirs up and not, or will they right. take them up simultaneously? I, I mean, mean, I guess it just kind of depends on the mood and well, if everybody's getting along with everybody. Look, I, ideally they would both take up each other's bills and move them forward just so we can make sure that we get something passed. Right. Or right? agree kind of, you know, yeah. in a in an offline meeting, say, look, mm-hmm. we like the language in the House bill better. Or we like this. Why don't we just amend it with that one and sure. you know, move it right along? Yeah. Um, but because it is almost time to start talking about crossover deadline, both of these, both of the fentanyl topic bills have obviously made crossover. And when is crossover? It's um the 1st of May, oh. not the, not, I mean, I'm sorry, the first of April. It's not April 1, um, but I'll have to look on my calendar because I'm not looking at it. Yeah, I think so. Or Friday, technically, Um, I guess it is. Yeah, the last legislative day. Why are you worried about crossover? It's, like you said, it's the middle of February. Um, Because we've got some furloughs, we've got some budget weeks, and we're going to have some um, time is of the essence, Scott. Like you said, it might as well be June 1. certainly feels like April outside. It does feel like April, but <laughs> we're starting to look at the calendar now. It is becoming because, you know, next week is March. Right. So you have to start thinking about that in terms of legislative days. Yeah. That is why you hired me, the ultimate strategist. I didn't hire you. Um, that, you're you were exactly here before right. I got that here. That is correct. You did That's not hire me. That's why you hired me. me. Um, well, yeah, good point. So another bill that we are supporting and that Erica Wright on our staff has been working on very hard is Senate Bill 31. That is the the financial compilation, the option to provide a financial compilation statement. The less than audit. Right. The yeah. less than audit for mm-hmm. cities that have under $500,000 um, in Recurring revenue. Recurring revenues. Right. Mm-hmm. So that bill 
breezed out of subcommittee and full committee, and it is now on the floor. Yep. Um, it was on the calendar today, but because of the rule in the Senate that a bill has to remain on the calendar for 24 hours before they can take it up, um, that will not be taken up until Tuesday. That's fine. Or eligible to be taken up until yeah, Tuesday. That's fine. That was, that bill was with several pages of sure. brand new bills that were just out of committee. All of those bills were 24 hour appointed by Senator Corbin. Um, he did that because Senator Shane Martin, who always makes sure that we're following the rules like we should mm-hmm. in the Senate, um, was out of town. And I presume Senator Martin is in California because they're racing in California this weekend. Um, I have no idea where he is. I All I know is that at. Senator Corbin did a beautiful job in his um, the place. last races, set of races at the Auto Club Speedway. There used to be the California Speedway. It's a duplicate of the Michigan Speedway. They're going to tear it down. I appreciate you always it's, working in some sort of race it's between, talk. It's between L.A. and Palm Springs. That tells me we should probably take callers if this is going to turn into no. some sort of sports radio. Well, um, if you want to talk, if you want to turn it into a race talk show, I'm I mean, happy to do yeah, that. I'm not. Don't worry, Mr. Producer. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, another quick thing I want to mention is that the Ways House Ways and Means Committee finalized their version of the state budget this afternoon. That is very breaking news. So we don't have all the numbers. All we do know is that they followed the law that was passed in 2019 to fully fund the local government fund. And that is fully funded at the 5%. That's Mm -hmm. the the limit. So um, we will get any and all details out in the dome on Friday and be available to answer any detailed questions maybe next week on the pod. Maybe we could have Joni on. We've gotten do a do a, a segment with Joni. Gotten a number of worried questions about some provisos that were put into the budget earlier in the week. Right. Can we? I think we can confidently say that today those were removed. Removed. Yeah. So you wanted Scott? You attended a meeting of the House Judiciary Committee on Tuesday, and it was on bond reform. Yes. And this bill, one H- of several, H3532, both the Senate and the House have bond reform bills yeah. that are kind of competing. You attended that meeting and they made some pretty major amendments to that. Yeah, so, they, they essentially did a strike and insert and uh, made a number of changes, really f- four or five basic changes to it. But the change that they made that got the most attention and discussion was a mandatory minimum sentence of five years. Okay. Uh, so was that if you commit a crime while, while on you're out on bond? bond. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so there's a couple of, couple of problems. Number one, a lot of members, a number of members oppose mandatory minimums and taking right. away a judge's discretion. Right. I get that. The other problem was that this mandatory minimum could potentially be a sentence independent from the sentence, if there was one, for the first charge. Okay. Okay. So, so, All right. So, so I give get, me an example. So I get charged with a crime, like a like a major crime, or like shoplifting. Uh, let's say a, let's say a felony. Okay. Let's just for the sake of argument, I get charged with a felony. Okay. Okay. I'm out on bond. I commit a violent crime, murder, rape, uh, assault and battery, something like that. Okay. In 
in doing that, I could then be charged a second time with a second charge of violating my bond from the first charge. Okay. And right? have five years tacked on to whatever well, you're serving? The un, the unanswered question is, let's say I'm found innocent of the first felony charge. Okay. I still theoretically have this bond violation right. charge pending against me. Could I end up in jail, in prison for five years, even if I'm found not guilty of the first charge? Oh, I see what you're saying. I don't. I don't know that that question got answered. I mean, I think it was attempted to be answered a number of times. Okay. But I don't know to my satisfaction that it was. All right. And so that is going to be as much of a sticking point and a discussion that item that was in full judiciary this week. It will almost certainly be the same when this bill gets on the, on the floor. floor. Yeah, yeah, that will be a huge debate. There I will believe, be some with... prolonged discussion mm-hmm. around, certainly around that one change that was made with that strike and insert amendment. Right, right. So you you expect that that was that's on the calendar. Okay. So next week, we assume that that could be assuming it doesn't go onto issue. the contested calendar. I would right. ex- I would bet it's probably going to end up on the contested calendar. And you know, um the next issue in the house on the the only other bill on the contested calendar is the Blaine amendment bill. Yeah. Which they didn't take up um this week. They took up the constitutional the permitless carry. The permitless carry. And is that how old? Uh, let me go back to that for just a second because I think people are I think I think people are concerned. I think law enforcement is concerned. How old is the can you get a concealed weapons permit when you're 21? I can't think of if it's 18 or 20. It's 21. You got to be 21 in order to get a CWP. This bill moves the age back down to 18, right? Did that amendment get passed? I think it did. That was on the floor. That was Beth Bernstein's amendment? No. No. Somebody else's amendment. So here, here's the problem. Federal law prohibits you from possessing a, a handgun if you're not 21. You got to be 21 right. or older right. under federal law to possess a handgun. Okay. That is not the case in South Carolina. You only have to be 18. State law says... But doesn't federal law trump state law? State law says you have to be, you can be 18 and possess a fire, a, a, a handgun. So you can own a gun at 18, but you can't drink a beer? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. You can, just like the old saying goes, I can go off to war and right. you know, fight for my country, but I can't drink a beer when I get home in celebration of my service. You can't have a shot of liquor. Or beer either. So Interesting. You remember? You no, you don't remember. You're too was, young. Yeah, I was about to say it was, was a happy. It, it was one of the very original. The fifties and sixties. One of the original. <laughs> one of the original Happy Days episodes. I mean, I know about Happy Days, but this that was when, not really like this a is big when, thing. <laughs> this is when uh, they had um, Richie's older brother. I can't remember his name now. It was one of the very first episodes. Anyway, Richie goes to a fraternity party or something in high school. And he takes shots of beer. Right. And when his dad asks him, how many, how many did you have? He said, 70. Oh, <laughs> so God. I'm thinking of a shot of beer. That's not a lot. But a when you shot have, of beer. When you have 70, that's 140 ounces. That's, that's, so, that's a good bit. That's yeah, a good bit. That's a lot of beer. Scott, what else happened this week that that's you like, want to... 
that we need to talk about or make anybody aware of. I don't know. You, the, you tell me. Um, it, it was a busy week. I feel like that the, the temperature was not as, I mean, it, it got heated with permitless carry. Um, it, it got heated. And I, I want to say that in the end, when, when members had the chance to speak, um, Representative J.A. Moore from, from mm-hmm. North Charleston, yeah. he, um, spoke w- who I felt like on behalf of his sister. Yes. Who, um, was killed at Mother Emanuel. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like his, I don't want to say testimony, but his speech, his feelings, um, they were very powerful. They were very, very powerful on that permitless carry bill. That, that was really the big focus this week in the House. It's ironic that we passed, the House passed a bill that would make carrying and getting access to a firearm a little easier the same week that the House Judiciary Subcommittee considered the hate crimes mm-hmm. bill. Mm-hmm. The two just don't seem to connect to me. To jive. I don't, that's um, just me. There's also still the, you know, older issues of critical race theory and abortion that have passed the House and the Senate, and they are awaiting action. So we still, you know, sometimes out of sight, out of mind, if they're not being debated, we kind of forget about them. Um, well, they're looming. They're looming, right. Yeah. I feel like they're lurking. Yeah. So at, at any moment, but we're we're also staring down house budget week which yes. they start on monday and could easily go through friday mm-hmm. depending on how many amendments you know what amendments to money amendment provides well, not amendments. next week no i mean the week yeah, of week march after. 13th yeah. mm-hmm. so we have you know we've got two weeks before that happens yep. and then after the budget the house has a furlough week or what we like to call spring break yes um, and then there's the week after that, which is the week before crossover right. or the two weeks before not crossover. A lot of, not a lot of floor time left. That's why I was referencing the calendar. I mean, now I, I know that it seems like it's forever away, but things might be beginning to be a little urgent. Things were emotional during the permitless carry debate mm-hmm. this week, but I don't think they were as contentious. Right. I, I think the opponents of that bill, having been defeated on all of these other things, mm-hmm. everybody knows the outcome of these votes. But but Scott, there were some interesting votes um that yes that were taken that were putting some people together that don't normally vote together. <laughs> and well of course that was all strategic. They were of course it was yeah. the strategery. Strategery. Um but it was just interesting to see, you know, how yeah, there were several amendments that were put up by members of the Freedom Caucus uh, on the permitless carry bill that got votes from Democrats. Right. And the reason, I'm just going to guess, that Democrats voted for it is because they knew that if those amendments were to pass, then that would bring out opponents to the bill in its entirety who have said, you leave it the way it is right. lest we come and oppose it. Right. And if that happened, then they would have lost, the bill would have lost support from others in the Republican party. So while I think it was probably a, it was a good try on some of them on the mm-hmm. Democrats behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, 
even with even if they're voting in total with the Freedom Caucus, they still don't have enough votes to overcome the majority that the other Republicans have. So, so that that bill now goes to the the Senate through the Senate Judiciary Committee yeah. and onto the floor if it gets you know if it gets if it gets taken up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I feel like we we're getting kind of settled in, and I know that sounds crazy. We've been in session for a month, yeah. month and a half. Yeah. Um, but I feel like everybody's kind of getting to know everybody now. You know, it's like it, in college, you move into the dorm and you kind of figure out who goes out on Thursday night and who goes out on Friday night. Right. Um, and how hard they go out. I didn't go out um, I, you know, when I was in college. something about <laughs> that makes me not believe you. Um, and, you know, speaking of college, you did go to college at, um, at Winthrop, right? It was Winthrop Day on Tuesday. Um, I saw that. Erica said that they tagged me on their Instagram page. Oh, no way. With my Cla- with my graduation year, I was like, I didn't even know. How did they know that? Class they, of. They don't know me. Class of 94. Of 94. Yeah, that was three years later than I should have graduated. That, um, we can get into that later. 94 was a good year. I was in high school. Um, <laughs> speaking of high That's school. That's almost 30 years ago. In now. high school, you learn about South Carolina history. And on this podcast, you also learn about South Carolina history and South Carolina trivia when it comes to municipalities. Fabulous. Scott. Segway. Based on incorporation date alone, what is the newest municipality in South Carolina? That would be the town of Van Wack. Yes. And what county is that located it's in? It's in Lancaster County. Excellent. Um, the community, according to Mr. Producer's research, mm-hmm. has existed since the 1880s. Yes. But the vote to incorporate by the residents of that community did not occur until August 15th of 2017. Now, I noticed that you pronounced it Van Wack. Let me give our listener um, an idea of how it's spelled. Van Wack is two words. Yes. Van, capital V-A-N, mm-hmm. Wack, capital W-Y-C-K. Yes. Why is it, why is the wick pronounced Wack? I, I can only tell you that that, when I used to, be a field service manager and right. traveled about that part of the state, which right. is part of my territory, that that's how the locals pronounced it. Okay. Just like, as we've said before, and as I just said, it's not Lancaster, it's, it's Lancaster. Lancaster. Right. It's not McBee, it's MacBee. Interesting about Van Wack, that was a, some people categorize it as a defensive incorporation because the community of Indian land, which is okay. a huge, booming uh, area in the panhandle of Lancaster County mm-hmm. wanted to also incorporate. Okay. And Van Wackers, Van Wackians did not want to potentially be swallowed up by Indian land. Okay. So while Indian land had begun an incorporation effort, mm-hmm. Van Wack beat them to the punch and got incorporated. And then, of course, eventually the Indian land referendum to incorporate failed. Really? So, when is the last time they tried that referendum? Do you remember? would have been probably 20 in that 2017 2018 period okay mm-hmm. the same time as that van wack yes. was incorporating yeah okay. in fact van wack started their effort and if any of those folks are listening i'm pretty sure they started their effort after indian land began indian land mm-hmm. had talked about it for a number of years in fact i'd gone and made several presentations to the indian land community interested people mm-hmm. there right. about how to incorporate right and so, but, but Van Wack got it, got their act together and 
got it done. There are several communities that our field service managers over the years have gone to to yeah. do the presentations because they're interested mm-hmm. in incorporating. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, Scott, uh, rapid fire. How many municipalities are in South Carolina? 271. Okay. Very good. Mm-hmm. How many counties are in South Carolina? 46. You're amazing. You know so much. Look, those are easy. You learn those in the fifth grade. Yeah, I, No, you don't. Well, you learn about the counties. I don't know about the cities. Yeah. You learn the county song. I, and you I sing never, the county song. I'd never heard the county song before you sang it for me. That's the, a, however long ago. That's a shame. You, you don't need it's to a shame it. that I actually sang it, and yeah, it's a shame yeah. you didn't get it taught in the third grade. <sighs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Be sure to follow the Municipal Association's podcasts on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Find the latest from the Municipal Association on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the Association's website, masc.sc.com.